Okay. All right. Our second of our three shows is probably our most important program of the three. Looking at the NFL draft, we are now the eve. It's NFL draft eve. 400 prospects at least will be hoping to hear their names in 250 some odd picks over the next couple of days. It's obviously a one-time deal in their lives to be drafted. And for some, they're, you know, they'll, they'll become franchise guys and future legends. And for others, they'll just hope that they have a career worth a damn. And, you know, then there's those guys that may make it, that won't make it long term due to all kinds of circumstance. But tomorrow we start a new da- another dance, the 85th NFL selection meeting we know as the draft. And for the first time ever... Under under the circumstances that we are, are out of our control, it's going to be done virtually. So it should be very interesting to see how how these teams do things compared to what they would have done if it wasn't for the pandemic. So your thoughts before we get going into the stories? Well. This is obviously going to be a much different draft than we've ever seen in terms of how it's televised and everything. Um, I, I actually, back in the day, I, the, I got started being into the draft back in, um, I believe it was 96, maybe 97. It was the year Randy Moss was coming out of college. That was 98. Oh, 98. Okay. Yeah, maybe, okay, 98. So that was the year I was really, I really started being in the draft. So um, 22 years ago, I've been, in, I've been watching every single year on pretty much every pick, with the exception of some here and there. Um, and, yeah, this is my time of year, man. It's like, uh, this is like Christmas Eve for me, you know. There's not many, many days during the football season I look forward to more than the draft. Um, you know, you got the Eagles – if the Eagles actually were in the Super Bowl, which we've only seen twice, you know, I would look, I, I look forward to that more. But um, maybe opening day for the NFL, if the Eagles, if I'm expecting big things out of the Eagles that year, that's another one I might look forward to more than the draft. But other than that, man, draft day is my day. And, uh, you know, I always got some, I always got a lot of information to throw at you. I got a lot of players, a lot of sleepers. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, like I said, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what these teams do. I mean, obviously tonight is probably the most busiest night of, the, of you know, putting their strategies together, their draft boards, and what they will believe will happen here. And, you know, like I said, but we'll get right into it because we have a lot to get over and you have your mock draft to give to the to the viewers so they can be prepared and get their notes and stuff ready. Obviously, we all know who's probably going to go number one, and, and it's Joe Burrow. He had a, a record-setting year out of LSU. He set the record for passing yards and for passing touchdowns. He won all the major awards, including the Heisman Trophy, and he went on to win the national championship in January. Obviously... You know, he is by far, you know, one of the more big prospect quarterbacks to come out in many years. But I do have a problem with him 
for what he said about a week and a half ago to the media, to uh, to either Ohio media, media or somebody. He said he's been playing football since he was five years old. And he obviously comes from a football family. His dad was a coach for many years. But he said that he's never been on a team that's ever lost or been or have a losing record ever from Pee Wee to obviously his run in LSU. So to me, he said something that kind of got that kind of struck a nerve because he's going to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. They have the number one pick. They're not trading that we know of. And Cincinnati is an organization that's obviously in the rebuild right now. They're not a team going anywhere, at least for the foreseeable future. But what he said kind of made me upset because he's almost it's almost like he's been very he's been charmed in his entire career, the way he was brought up and everything else. So your thoughts on that discussion on that on that comments and what do you think? Well, I mean, that's I, w- I wouldn't even give that two thoughts, to be honest with you. When you're talking about quarterbacks in, in terms of elite NFL talented talent quarterbacks, most of these guys have almost never lost games in their careers. If, and, and surely almost all of them have never played for losing teams, you know. Um, so, I mean... When, when you have an elite quarterback like that, you're going to win, and you're going to win a lot, and you're barely going to lose. Um, I know Deshaun Watson has said, said similar things as well. So, you know, that's just that's just how the game works. Even even in Pee Wee, if you have like a quarterback that's just an elite athlete that can just dominate the entire game, <laughs> you know. It, it, it's just it's just a major advantage, and then you get the high school a guy that can actually throw the ball. I don't know what school you went to, but my high school we had it. I mean, I didn't I, I didn't care about the high school football team, but the quarterback could barely throw ten yards. You know. Well, so. well, when I was in high school, I wasn't big in football. You know, I could have played football, but I wasn't big on it, and I, I kind of regret that today. More than even going to my act, not going to my school prom, but obviously, but obviously today, if I was in high school today, if I was seventeen years old today or fifteen to seventeen years old, I damn sure would make more of an effort to be involved in football in some capacity from from the beginning, knowing what I love about football today compared to then. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean. You know, when you're when you're talking about the best of the best in the world, they're going to be <laughs> they're going to dominate at these lower levels, and they're going to win pretty much every game they ever play. You know, I'm sure you go know, into different sports. Michael Jordan, I'm sure in high school he was he, he he dominated everybody, just like LeBron in high school. You know, um, so. That doesn't mean anything to me. Really, it's all about the guy's personality and how he is. And in, in reality, once you've been there, once you've been to the top, whether it's in college or high school, like if you have the right personality, you're not going to settle for anything less than getting back to the top at the next level, too. So, well, the thing is, Joe Burrow knows that. I'm sure. Well, Peyton Manning did talk to him allegedly, or by a phone call. Obviously, I don't think he saw him or anything, but obviously, I'm sure he 
had a similar mindset when he came out of Tennessee back in 98. He knew that he was going to an organization that wasn't right, and he was going to be the guy that was going to be the franchise. He was going to be the face. And I think Cincinnati has the same idea for, for Joe Burrow when he gets drafted tomorrow night. He's going to be the face of that team. And remember, in 1998, you know, Peyton started from day one, and the team went 3-13 and the first year. It was a, it was a struggle. But they built around him, and he, be, he came into his own, and the rest of his career, he only had one losing season and missed the playoffs the rest of his career. So it burrows that kind of quarterback, and he could be. We, we don't know, you know. He's a system guy, but obviously if he, if he can elevate Cincinnati to places they haven't been or haven't been since, you know, Andy Dalton first came along or Carson Palmer, you know, they've had great quarterbacks over the years in Cincinnati, but it's up to the organization to build around him, and that's something that starts tomorrow night. If they can become something in the future, it begins tomorrow night when they draft him, but I'm sure Burrow now understands, I'm sure enough veterans have talked to him, like Peyton and others, to get into his head to know that it's going to be a struggle at first, but your talents and their patience will hopefully lead them to something else. Then again, if it doesn't work in Cincinnati, he'll go somewhere else where it's a winning organization, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> yeah, well, with um, with Burrow, I mean, yeah, the, the Bengals have had some decent quarterbacks over the last, I don't know, 15 years in terms of Carson Palmer and um, Andy Dalton. But the fact is, They've, they, they've still been a loser franchise over that time. They never win in the playoffs when they actually do make it. And most of the time, they don't make it. And um, and you go back before that, this is one of the biggest loser franchises of all time. So this, this, this is a, a big chance for Joe Burrow to really take over one of the one of the worst franchises of the last, I don't know, 30 years, 30, 40 years, and then actually turn them into winners. So, I mean, if this, if this guy could take them over and lead them to their playoffs and win a Super Bowl with, in Cincinnati, um, it would be a big thing for him, for, really for the city, obviously, but for Burrow's legacy if he actually becomes a great quarterback. So, yeah. So, yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what he does, but I think he's up for the challenge to really, um, to really elevate this franchise to a new level. And he's kind of an Ohio kid who has an Ohio background, so he he's kind of like a, considered already a legend in in the in the state. In theory, I think he's from Ohio, but but obviously, you know, tomorrow is the beginning of the of a new era for him. He finally reached his goal, and. You know, obviously, it's going to be a while under the circumstances we are as a country. But when things do turn around and he's allowed to to you know work out and go to the to the facility to the team facility, it's the beginning of a it, it's beginning of hard work and paying off. So, good luck yeah. to him. But he obviously is going to be the number one guy, but the most intriguing quarterback in this, and probably the most intriguing player in this draft. And I got his name wrong once on a on an old episode when we were doing you know doing games in college. Tua now I got his name right now. Tua Tagaloa, Tagaloa, 
you know, Tua. Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I'll just call him Tua. Short. I'll just be short there. But Tua obviously is is probably the most intriguing quarterback and player in this entire draft. You hear his name every day or every other day. You hear you hear about him, you know, in a positive way and sometimes in a negative way. And you know, the question I have is is more is something that they have not said before that no expert has said. Now he comes from Alabama, which has had since. Saban took over the organization. The, the 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 school has had more players go to the to the to the league to the NFL than any other school, probably combined. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but you hear more about Alabama pros than any other college. But there's one position that, and it goes and it goes to tell you about Nick Saban is is the quarterback position has never succeeded from a Nick Saban school, basically. I don't know if you've heard anything from Nick Saban. He he coached at Michigan State and in LSU in previous in a previous time, but he's the most he's the most intriguing quarterback that he has brought into the league, and they're hoping that he could be a a franchise guy. To me, do you think he has the most pressure of any player in this draft? Well, he's one of the most he's, he's the most polarizing player in this draft if you really look at it like I mean you look at the media and everybody's painting him out to be the number two quarterback I'm not gonna I don't want to go too much into him at this at this second because I did kind of mention that I do have a couple other segments like two other segments you know that I want to talk about and uh, I don't want to give too much away but um, no we'll make overall, it quick <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, the guy is uh, the guy is very talented, but he's got a ton of injury issues. Not just his hip either. You know, the guy has had a number of surgeries just in college: um, wrist injuries, ankle injuries, surgeries. Um, he's a number of uh, he's had a lot of injuries as a quarterback, and um, that's going to scare some teams off, especially this, especially with this. Uh, whole coronavirus thing going on where you can't actually send your doctors over there to poke and prod these guys and and determine what what the extent of these injuries are, especially this hip injury. Um, you can't determine how well he's progressing other than what his own doctors are telling you. Um, so it, it is gonna it is gonna cause a lot of teams to panic and um, and we'll see what happens with him on draft day. Yeah, he he is a he is a very he is a risky proposition for any team that's going to draft him. And obviously, Miami has shown obviously the most intrigue for him for his services. Also, L.A. the L.A. Chargers have been interested, and a few other teams as well. A lot of mystery teams as well. But obviously, like you have said, with with what's going on in this you know with the COVID nineteen situation, everybody's under siege right now. They can't really do much, especially doctors. So, for him, whoever drafts him better know what they're getting themselves into, you know. And hopefully, like I said, these injuries, you know, he he gotten the injuries, but obviously there's still a lot to put put together there for him once he gets drafted. And like I said, he can go as high as number three or as low as 23. 
Or he could go further down. I mean, if people are afraid of him and don't want to draft him because of his injury problems, then that's something that they're going to be watching for come come tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens there, you know, because I've seen boards where he's he's right up there with Burrow, and I've seen boards where he's behind Jordan Love for, for specific reasons. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'll be making a prediction about him shortly. But um, overall, the guy obviously is a superior talent, but... You know, you, you can't escape the injury cloud once you become an injury – once you have the, the label of being injured, an injury-prone player, you know. And um, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But like I said, obviously for him, it's, we'll see what happens. But another obviously big story is that this is a legendary – they're claiming a very legendary group of wide receivers – and we'll get to the Eagles because we haven't gotten to the Eagles yet, and we normally start with them more, more often than not. But obviously, the Eagles—we've seen what they've done this off season. But everybody's been crying to their to everywhere. The wide receiver—can they get one? Are they going to get one in the first round? And who will they get one? And there's a lot of names, and there's a lot of names that's been obviously related to to this team. And who have they talked to? Who, what agents they've talked to? Because obviously they haven't brought any of them to their facility because of because of the pandemic and the shutdown. But obviously, CD Lamb looks like the number one receiver in this draft, and the Eagles obviously are interested. They're interested in every receiver, basically any of the five receivers that are on the top of the of the of the board. And to me, it just seems like. For them, you know, the fan base is going to take nothing more than they better get their best receiver available. But there's also rumors going around that, and Sal Powell said on Mike Missanelli's show yesterday, that there are rumors that, you know, Russian roulette might be played by Howie Roseman. And if he doesn't like what he sees, or if there's somebody he thinks is the best available, he'll take that over a receiver. He said some. Uh, I forgot the name he mentioned because I, you know, I'm not good with names right now. But over a wide receiver in this draft. So, and your 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 thoughts on that? Okay, so um, so this leads me to a, a statement that I'm going to throw at you later on. Is I want I'm going to throw at you my my top ten receivers in this draft. Okay, in order. Okay, mm-hmm. but. Um, in terms of the Eagles, I'm all in on a, I'm all in on a receiver in the first round this year. Okay, I mean we can't we can't screw around and, and try to get fancy. Um, you know, there's I, I, I've seen reports that oh yeah maybe they'll go linebacker in the first round. No, it's not going to happen. Um, Howie is going to trade up for one of his guys, whether it's C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs or, you know, one of the top three, or if if they get to 21 and there's a lot of receivers on the board and his guy isn't on the board, they're going to trade down. Um, but we'll see. There's, there's a lot of receivers in this draft. Supposedly the Eagles have, have shown a lot of interest in Denzel Mims, who would fit in at 21. Um, 
they've shown interest in Ruggs, Lamb, Judy for the most part, but Ruggs, from what reports I've seen, they've shown a lot of interest in him. Obviously, they'd have to trade up. Um, they've shown interest in Jalen Rieger, Rager out of TCU. Um, so there's a lot of receivers in this draft, a lot of guys the Eagles have been looking at. The, the one thing that I do find question, weird, honestly, is there's three elite receiver prospects in this draft, and it's obvious. Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, right? Mm-hmm. Not in that particular order necessarily, but um, those are the big three. But, you know, recent articles I've been reading on Philly websites, um, they're, they're, they're talking about, like, oh, the Eagles, if they can't get the big four, you know, and they're, they're trying to lump Justin Jefferson in there with these top three guys. And I got to tell you, he's, he's nowhere near those top three guys in terms of a prospect. Okay, the guy is—he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but the guy is a, is mainly a slot receiver. You know, he has—he played some outside, but his production was way way lower than way worse than it was in the slot. You know, he really didn't show a whole lot as an outside receiver, so they moved into the slot last year. Um, a lot of his plays—he did—he had a hundred, what, hundred eleven receptions last year. Um, a lot of that was schemed, you know? The guy doesn't show me enough to make me confident that the Eagles can make him even the 21st pick in the draft and that he's going to just come in and be some great receiver. And even so, if he comes in and, and puts up numbers, it's going to be from the slot. And we need more than just a slot receiver at 21, you know? So, um, to me... Uh, Jefferson is not even number four on my list. He's, he's a lot further down on my list. And um, I have a lot of other guys that I'd much rather have at 21, let alone trying to trade up a couple spots to get ahead of teams like the Jaguars who might take him, you know? So yeah. to me, it's, it's the, for the Eagles, the options are trading up to get one of the big three or – if you, if you can't trade up, trade back towards the end of the first round, pick up a second-round pick. Like, let's say, for example, um, trade back to the Packers the Packers pick at 30, and you get their second-round pick, and then you use your first-rounder and the second-rounder, and you double-dip at receiver and get two high-quality receivers. But sitting at 21 at receiver, to me, just is... It's it's just not worth it. No, because where they're at, you know, obviously, you know, I know that la- you weren't really you you were okay, you were happy, but you were not happy about them making the playoffs because, in theory, they could have had the fifteenth pick. Now they ended up with the twenty first pick, and that puts them in a in a bind right now because, like you said, you want C D Lamb or Henry Ruggs or or Judy, you better go, you better trade up. And there's going to be teams, you know, there's a lot of teams, the Cowboys. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams out there that's going to, you know, Vikings. There's a lot of teams that are going to be looking for a receiver. I mean, this is a this is a draft where at least 25 receivers can go within the first 80 picks. It could be that many receivers potentially going in this draft. It's one of the deepest receiving drafts in in many, many years. And... Like I said, 
You mentioned Justin Jefferson. I mean, I felt happy about him for a while, but I really believe that. Look, look what you have at receiver at the present time. You have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Both are great receivers in their own right over the years, but they're not those receivers no more. You know? You saw Alshon Jeffrey when he played last year. He's a one-dimensional receiver now. He can catch it and go out of bounds. That's all he can do. He can't catch it in the middle of the field. That's not his game anymore. And Deshaun Jackson only played one game before he got hurt, and you couldn't use him the rest of the year. So obviously, to me, you need an impact receiver. And I heard that they'll go for two receivers in this draft, and I'm sure that's what they're going to do. But to me, they're going to have to see, because right now, if I look right now, the first receiver that could go off the board from any of these picks, I mean, I, I, I got to remember who the, you know, yeah, damn, I got to see who's going where, but but the on, on this book that I have, the Lindy book, Jerry Judy is the is the highest receiver, and he's number seven on the board. So, basically, after the Chargers pick is when the receivers could start to come off the board, and and once one goes, everybody probably goes afterwards, and we could see the trades and everything else. But to me, the Eagles cannot sacrifice three picks because they still need they still need a an offense a lineman. They need a linebacker definitely. You know, they need they may need a safety. Obviously you have all that coming up in your mock draft, but to me, if if they cannot go for the guy, then you're right. They need to draft down and get some more picks so they can get two receivers and one. And plus, the best receiver in this league, I mean in this draft may not even be in the first first round. It could be in the third round or even the fourth round. You never know. You know? This draft, this draft has hidden gems written all over it. I see more busts in the first round than I would see in the fifth round. So, to me, you know, the Eagles have to be careful where they're at. They don't want to. They don't want to waste a couple of picks just to know that they get that guy. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, but. Well, this, no, sorry. No, no, no. You can go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, well, this draft, obviously this draft is completely loaded at wide receiver, and the Eagles have to come away with two, at least two. I would, I'd be fine. I would be ha- more than happy if they came away with three, really, from this draft. Um, but, yeah, um, when you talk about the top three, the big three, they could go anywhere. First of all, they're all interchangeable. You could put any one of them as the number one receiver. Judy. You could put Judy at number one, even though I don't know if you've seen reports over the last, like, 24 hours about a knee injury. That's all nonsense. Everybody knows it. But um, you could put Judy number one. You could put Lamb number one. You, you could put Ruggs number one. It all depends on the scheme. It all depends on the, the supporting staff that you have on the team, um, supporting talent, the coaching staff, um, you know. Who is the best player in this draft out of those three receivers? It's more than it, – it, it, there's a lot of factors to put into that. And once we see who gets picked where, we can start to look at who might be the best receiver out of those three. But um, really, they're all elite talents. And um, you said maybe number seven or so is where they might start. Really, I think 
there might be one of those three that goes in the top ten, maybe. And that's if the team trades up. Because really when you look at the top ten in this draft, there's four really good offensive line prospects that are probably all four. At least three of them are going to go in the top ten. I also think there's at least three of the quarterbacks are going to go in the top ten. And then there's a number of defensive prospects that are going to go in the top ten. Obviously, so, obviously Chase Young is at the top of everybody's board. He's the number one defensive player. Yeah, exactly. There's Chase Young. There's uh, uh, Jeff Okuda. There's um, Isaiah Simmons, who's a beast. Um, there's a couple defensive tackles. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some players that, defensive players that go in the top ten. So I think the sweet spot for where the wide receiver run might begin is at number 11 at the Jets. And then number 12 for the Raiders, um, number 13 for the Niners, and number 15 for the for the Broncos. Those are the four that are really looking. Um, I think if any of those receivers goes in the top 10, it's because one of those teams traded up into the top 10 to get their guy. But um, I don't think any of the teams currently picking in the top 10 are going to be looking to draft a receiver. So... Um, it is possible that all three of those guys drop out of the top ten. Not not just possible, but it is pretty likely. But I do think one of those one of those teams, like potentially the Broncos, who they know the Broncos know that there's a number of teams ahead of them that could go receiver, and there's a couple teams behind them that could be looking to trade up for one of those guys. So if the Broncos are looking to grab a receiver, they might try to trade up into the top ten. So. There, there could be one receiver that goes in the top ten. Yeah, but like I said, what I know is if one receiver goes, whoever goes first, everybody's going to follow pretty quickly. It's going to be it's going to be that kind of hide and go seek. And and since you know a lot of these guys, like I said, we're lucky that before this pandemic we had the combine, so they're basically basing off of what of of the tapes from last season or the last couple of years and the combine. In fe- in late February, before the pa- just before the pandemic took over, and like I said, it's it's going to be a high, it's going to be a wait and see kind of approach, you know, because the notes this year compared to most other years are not there because nobody had a, most of these players did not have a pro day, and the people and the and the players that didn't that weren't even allowed to be at the combine are even at more of a disadvantage because they have to r- rely on their own tapes from scouts that that got from scouts. So it's going to be interesting, but like I said, the receiver and we we'll just see who's number 1 who goes who go who's the first receiver off the board and and the rest will obviously follow. And one thing about these receivers and about um, the pre-draft process, especially combine is um, you know, this is this is a year when you look at at least my list of top ten guys, and there's a lot of other guys outside my list that their their combine numbers that they put up, they don't necessarily reflect what these guys do on the field and what these guys bring to the team. You know, um, Justin Jefferson, the guy put up a four four three forty. That doesn't reflect his true speed. The guy is not that fast in real life on the field. Um, at the same time. A guy like Jalen Rieger, he put up a four four seven, but this guy is insanely quick and fast. Um, 
I could compare. I could compare qual. I could compare the combine. Uh, not the yeah. The combine that 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 run compared to a race car driver qualifying a race car. That's not indicative of how they're going to race. You know, they they qualify. If they qualify on the pole, that means he might be fast for one lap. But how's he after? You know, fifty laps. And if a car qualifies twenty seventh, that car may be better on the long run. And that's how. I'm comparing what you're just saying to me about about these receivers and their and their times compared to what they really do on the field in in actual game footage and and I think when you look at the combine compared to what they did on the field and knowing that not everybody had a pro day because of the of the pandemic obviously a lot of them are going to relate to what they did on the field more than what they did in February for for three days over a, over a span of three to four days, so it should be interesting. It, it it should be interesting to see. It should be interesting to see here on um tomorrow night. You know how how this goes down and how these receivers go. You know because obviously one you know it's it's a it's a rich receiving field and like I said it could it could they all could come in bunches and that's how you know and I'm sure the Eagles will be obviously in the middle of that situation. But like I said, any like I said before we get to your mock draft, I'm sure you have other tidbits around here. You know, I mean, obviously you look at the running back situation. Normally, like I said, Mel Kiper's. You know, I know you're not a Mel Kiper fan, and you know I get it, but he always has his theory about don't get them in the first round. It's better off that they're second rounds than anything else. So, what's your opinions on the running backs in this draft? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. It's, 
at this point in um, the evolution of the game, drafting a first-round running back is pretty much a waste unless you get like a genera- generational type talent, like uh, um, Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott or Todd Gurley. Um, but there's none in this draft. There's none in this draft. No, definitely not. And um, really, second round. Okay, if if you have a good team and you can you can afford to use a second round pick on a running back, I'm good. Uh, that's good. Um, or if you have like a guy that maybe isn't in every down back but can just dominate when he's on the field, like uh, uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, that works. But um, yeah, otherwise, I think third. Fourth round is really where you can is where you can get a lot of talent at running back, and this year there's there's some players out there. Um, there, there are some players out there, and I, I I could see some teams getting some good some good talent there. Um, I do look at a team like the Bucks that we were talking about before before we start this whole thing. You and I were talking and. Um, that's one position that that Bucks offense is currently lacking is that running back, and I could see them using say their third round pick on a high quality running back, and he could he could pay dividends for them. So um, yeah, there are there are a number of running backs in the draft, and um, I'll, I'll tell you my guy shortly, but. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I do have a guy that I'm really high on in this draft as a day three player. He could potentially even have shot up in the late round three, but I think he's more so a fourth-round pick. So, yeah. Well, I'll, well, I'll just name one player that I'm looking forward to, and he may be drafted. He could potentially be drafted as a reach tomorrow, but more likely on Friday in day two is Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I mean... The guy reminds me of a franchise guy where he'll put up the numbers. He'll definitely put up the numbers in a good offense. If you put him in a decent offense, you know, he'll succeed. And and I think, you know, he's one of those prototypical backs that, you know, you'll see get a 1,000 yards easily. So when I think about where he goes, I'm more intrigued of where he may go in this draft more than probably any other back because he's that prototypical back that can get you a thousand yards, fifteen hundred yards, a lot. So he's he's the he's to me the best back in this in this. He's the best tailback in this in this draft, in my opinion. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is obviously the number one on most people's boards, but I think that you know you have you know there's a lot of backs that have come out of Wisconsin over the last twenty so odd years, but he he reminds me of of those guy backs, and I think. Taylor would be the one that has the best career out of those guys. Yeah, well, he's, he's a good player, man. He's a good player. And there are a number of good running backs that are sort of uh, – there's, there's no uh, elite running back, but there are a number of good ones that can go in the second and third rounds that uh, they, can, they can step right in and contribute. Yeah. All right, before, like I said, before we get to your annual mock draft, any other tidbits, any other deals you got? Yeah, I actually had uh, two other segments before that. Um, we're starting to, what, we're starting to run 
a little bit late on time, we may end up having to do a quick, an, uh, an extra, second. and we can, we'll make it just straight to the max. So, but continue. Go ahead. Okay, so the first segment I got, I mentioned to you on Sunday. I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to give me one of your at least one NFL draft day surprise. Whether it's a, a guy that drops, a guy that gets picked way earlier than you expect, a crazy trade, just something. All right. Well. Like I said, I have to read this book a little more. Tomorrow's going to be pretty much my homework assignment like i am in school again. I mean, to me, the draft day surprise is easy, you know. When I think about, when I think about some, some situations and, you know, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot intriguing situations. But obviously LSU is a school that obviously had a great year. They won the national championship. We all know the reason. But Randy Moss has a lot intrigue in this draft as well. He has a son named Thaddeus Moss, a tight end. Now, he's projected on this in this Lindy book to go either late Friday, late third round, or early fourth round. But I feel like because of who, of who he is, and he may he may be really a decent player, but he's not on the same level, and he doesn't even play the same position that his dad played. I feel like he's going to go further. He's going to go early in the second round because even though tight ends are not going to be well represented, he's the number eight tight end in this book. But this book is relegated to before the you know basically t- just a week after the combine in early March when this book comes out. But I think Thaddeus Moss is a guy that will go in the second round because of who he is, because of his last name, and they think his production is going to go. I think he's going to he's a, he'll be overvalued because of nepotism. As far as a first round, as far as a first rounder, uh, to me, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I I think that you know. You look, you look around, and I just think that the cornerback position's a little off this year. It may not, you know, but I think, in theory, I think they're going to go, you know, Antoine Winfield is in this draft. His son. His son is in this draft. Maybe he goes, maybe he goes in the first round, even though he's a second rounder. Maybe that's what happens. I think somebody that's obviously with lesser value is going to go in the first round because somebody's going to get traded, you know, somebody's going to use a trade like a Cleveland Browns. I don't think, like, the Cleveland Browns want to suit up their defense even more, and they'll draft somebody that should be more of a second or third rounder in the first round. So that's what I predict. I think the the Browns will do something crazy like they normally would. Okay. Um, Winfield's the guy that I do really like in this draft, too. Um, this, guy's a, this guy's a... Um, a playmaker, you know, he's he's on the smaller side, which is why he's going to drop. But this is the guy that is going to make uh, he's going to make a lot of turnovers, and he's just a player at safety. But um, but um, my 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 draft day surprise is sort of two part. It's not as big a surprise as it was back in uh, at the combine, which back around that time is when I was saying this, but. Um, it's going to be a quarterback, man. Um, I got 
Burroughs going number one. That's no surprise. I got at number five, or at the Dolphins pick, they may they may trade up a spot or two. But I got the Dolphins taking uh, Justin Herbert at number two. And I have seen a, a number of reports that the Chargers, they, they like uh, Jordan Love. Um, so not only do I have Tua dropping out of the top five, and I don't have him going as the, third, as the second quarterback, I don't have him going as the third quarterback either. I think Jordan Love's going at number six. And I got Tua dropping not only out, out of the top five, I got him dropping out of the top ten into the team, into the teams where either the Patriots or the Saints are going to trade up and they're going to grab somewhere in like the early teams. So my big surprise is that Tua drops out of the top ten, and um, I'm going to go. With, I'm going to say the Patriots trade up and draft them as their replacement for Tom Brady. Well, Jordan Love is another intriguing prospect. A lot of people are looking forward to seeing where he goes. But the problem I have with him is, you know, if you draft him, he's the first day he could be drafted on. I believe he'll be drafted tomorrow night. But if he gets drafted early, you may have to start him early. And I don't think he's ready. I think he needs a year to develop. I don't think, I don't think he, you know, he still has a, we don't, there's still an identity problem with him. I see, you know, he, you know, we don't know if he can run more than he can pass, or is he more of a scrambler, or is he got, or is he going to be in the pocket? But I don't think he's a pocket guy, and I don't think his skill level. You know, Lamar Jackson had this question question to him on draft day a couple of years ago, but obviously Baltimore was a right place because they figure out your strengths more than your weaknesses. In that, if you go to Baltimore. But Jordan Love, but Jordan Love to me, if he goes in the top ten, is a reach in my opinion. Because if you're going to be drafted high, you're going to be starting quicker. You're going to be starting earlier. You know, obviously that's not always the case. Gardner Minshew was a six round pick last year, and he started basically in his second week, and he's now the full time starter in Jacksonville. But normally, when you're a first rounder, you're you got the franchise look. Right away, right away, you know. You're, but to me, Jordan Love is a guy that needs to be more seasoned before he's out there playing. Because if they if they put him out, put him out early, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely not saying that Love is a, isn't a reach as in in, a, in the top ten. I think he is, but um, I think teams are going to be scared off by Tua's injury history, and I think with Love. The Chargers have been, um, they've been saying the right things, you know. Um, they, they claim they're, they're planning on starting Tyrod all year this year. That's, um, Tyrod is a, is, a, is, is a guy that he's basically, a, a, you know, you can start him, but he's, you know, Cleveland had him and they had to go to Baker Mayfield right away and they knew that. They just wanted to save face. That's why he started that, his rookie season, a Baker's rookie season right, right away him, but then once Baker was ready after a practice, and then he took over from the game, that's when it was his team, his franchise moving forward. So, and I think that's the yeah, same exactly. case. And we know, and we and we know for a fact that not only we know the Bengals are taking Burrow, we know the Chargers are definitely taking a quarterback at number six. 
and I doubt that they don't need, and I doubt that they're going to trade up. But Washington has a problem with Trent Williams, and reports are he's trying to negotiate a trade out of there. I heard Cleveland. I've heard another team. About three teams are interested in Trent Williams, and he wants to be traded out. And there is a rumor. I doubt that that's going to happen. That Washington trade once once out of the out of the second pick with Trent Williams. Now I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's another interesting thing to see what Washington does at number two because they want to trap they want to trade away Trent Williams, and they have to figure out which one's going to make sense. Yeah, well, this year they have to trade him, but they're not trading out of number two. Um, they're not going to go quarterback, but. They're not going to give up on uh, Chase Young, you know. I, 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 I'm not. I haven't been a big fan of Haskins, and I'm not a big fan of Haskins. But they drafted him in the first round last year. Don't be surprised if they sign a veteran. You know, Ron Rivera is there. Maybe they sign Cam, something like that. But, well, they uh, did trade for Kyle Allen. If they if they were interested in Cam Newton, oh, they would yeah, have traded yeah. him yeah. instead of Kyle Allen. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I forgot about Kyle Allen, even though he's a bum. But, uh, okay. Um, I'll give you that. So, yeah, so maybe they won't go after a veteran like Cam. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. They're not They're not getting out of number two for uh, – they're not going to give up Chase Young. Um, you know, even if they were to trade down to, say, number five, let's say Miami wants to trade up, that's it. They're, they're, they're not getting Chase Young at number one thing, one thing is for sure about, one thing for sure about Miami. They probably have the best cards in this draft. They have three first round picks. Now, like I said, if they don't, if they're not, if they're not on board with Tua, then obviously they'll trade down and they'll give up and they can give up a few to to make even more of a of an impact. But obviously, I think they're going to go for a quarterback as well. They, you know, if it's not Tua, it could be Justin Herbert because I feel like Justin Herbert. Is the most outside Burrow is the most complete quarterback in this draft. That right away on week one he can start. So to me, you know, I I think Justin Herbert could be a guy that they you know could go up you know you know go up higher. But I do think that if if Tua is, I I think I agree with you. I think he could fall. I think he could fall in this in this in this in this draft because of his injury concerns because he does have it's out there it's out there with the with the hip and and ankle and other other key injuries so to me Tua could fall and could fall and could fall pretty quick you know but to me go ahead oh sorry I was just gonna um uh jump on what you just said with Miami um yeah, I think you could see Miami trading up even one or two spots, sort of like the Bears did with um, Trubisky. Um, I could see my. I think Miami's going to be trying to trade up to number three or four, and they're going to try to get. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get Tua. I think they're going for uh, Justin Herbert. You know, the guy is just a safe pick, and he's a good. He's not just a safe pick. He's actually a, he's a very talented player in his own right. Um, he may not be as talented as Tua, but he doesn't bring that high risk that Tua brings to the team with his injuries. So I do think Miami's going to be, even if they stay at five and uh, we go chalk, 
uh, either way, I think Miami's going to get uh, Justin Herbert this year. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, to me, who, who falls probably in this draft could be probably Tua just because of the injuries. But I'll give you a, I'll give you a surprise team. I'll give you a surprise team. I don't think they'll do it, and I don't think he'll fall as far, but Minnesota. Minnesota might might be in, in line because how serious are they going to be with Kirk Cousins? You know, they're going into year three, and like I said, we talked on Sunday about Minnesota being loser, one of your losers in the free agency. They lost a lot of talent, Stephon Diggs, and a lot of members to that defense, Emerson Griffin, you know, and others. They may want to start anew, and maybe they send a message to, for their future they go draft a quarterback if Tua's there because Tua's not going to fall as far as you would think. He'll fall, he'll fall, but not, but maybe not as far because you know he'll he'll be ending up as a steal if he goes to like fifteen or something. Yeah. So well, I could see at him in the, like the early teens. Um, but yeah, I don't know about Minnesota, man. Um, I think I think they're all in on Kirk Cousins. They did just give him uh, an extension, too. So I think they're all in on Kirk Cousins, but I do think there are a number of teams in that in that the late, well, really the late teens and in, into the twenties and thirties that um, that are going to be trying to trade up for Tua once he drops out of the top ten. And like I said, I think you're looking at the Patriots and the Saints, and you know Tua has had a, a number of comparisons to Drew Brees, and. Um, what what better place for him to go than to sit behind Drew Brees for another year or two? Yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting him to play as a rookie. Um, he's coming off a major injury. These rookies. Oh, hold well, on. Got to keep him, keep. Hold on. Set. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be up here in a few more minutes. Don't take interest to a friend. All right. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I'm back. Yeah, all right. One thing you got to keep in mind with all, any draft pick this year is um, there's not going to be many camps um, with this whole coronavirus. There's not going to be many camps. There's not going to be a full there – there may not be. I'm not going to say there's not going to be. There's, there may not be a full um, training camp and preseason schedule. You know, so these guys aren't going to get as much practice as they're used to. So a guy like, especially a quarterback, a guy like Tua coming off an injury, doesn't he's not prepared to um, really learn the offense and this and that. And I mean, I'm not expecting him to just come into this league and start and play well, you know. And that's one thing you got to keep an eye on with every rookie that you draft is, if these guys aren't quite NFL ready, or if these guys are coming off injuries, it may take them half the half the seasons to really get up to speed. Yeah. Well, like I said, well, folks, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna end this first part. You know, we going through a lot of the situations, but coming up next, you are you ready? Ready to do this? The mock draft. That's annual mock draft. What will the Philadelphia Eagles do in this draft? He's going to tell you exactly any situation, trades, every pick he thinks the Eagles will do tomorrow night. So 
We'll be back in a few minutes and we'll have that for you.